0: Witticism. Colloquialism. Segway. You're such an egotist. Yes. By the way, guys, I'm really humble. Well, how do you do? Now when you get for free. Oh, God, it's awful.
1: Bad Philosophy, episode 157, recorded on November 30th, 2014. Too many philosophers. Hey, it's Bad Philosophy. I'm your host Stephen Torrance, and I'm here with Kevin Saunders. Hi there. And we are recording uh, wherever is most convenient, as, yes. as per our latest rule set, which is currently outside of uh, Houndstooth Coffee in Austin, Texas, on
0: a Sunday afternoon. Technically, you're outside of Houndstooth. I'm almost outside of. I'm almost outside of whatever Ooh. this is next to me.
1: Floyd's.
0: Floyd's Barber- barbershop, barbershop, so I'm. Yes. We're on the edge. Right. We are on the edge. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, both living and recording on the edge.
0: On the edge.
1: Uh, we're going to talk about too many cooks today.
0: Yeah, I don't...
1: uh. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about
0: Too Many Cooks. Too Many Cooks. Uh, I guess guess requirements to listen to this episode is go watch Too Many Cooks. Yeah,
1: pause the episode. Um, Go find Too Many Cooks. It's about 11 minutes long. It is. Um, It's... It is one of the... I mean, it's a quirky internet thing.
0: It is and, and it is definitely a quirky internet I, I, thing. So
1: I found out about Too Many Cooks from uh, PBS Idea Channel, which is excellent if you're not already watching it, do we've, so. We've
0: talked about them on the um, show before.
1: So Mike Rugnetta kind of talks... He, he uses Too Many Cooks as a lens through which to look at absurdity on the internet mm-hmm. and sort of ask the question, like, is, are we reaching a point where... The sort of internet absurdism is becoming like the norm for all all media or all popular media. That may that may be the question, but like it, it could also comment on. And this is the, the question of the Idea Channel episode. What does it say about the meaning of life? Is life just absurd in in the sense of like the theater of the absurd, uh-huh. um, which he he actually does believe that like too many cooks is in the same genre as theater of the absurd inspired by Albert Camus like he he cites Camus he quotes him See I think like... it's interesting cuz I
0: don't I wouldn't call Camus an absurdist um like having having only read the stranger right um like Camus is a nihilist and there's there's an important distinction there hmm. and now one could say, and I might even say this, and I might say have said it before, yeah. um, that to a certain extent, you know, absurdism is is nihilism with a sense of humor, um, right. which too many cooks definitely falls into.
1: Yeah, it's like there's your life has no meaning, yeah. everyth- everything's everything's crazy, like yeah. you're gonna die probably horribly. But
0: yeah, well, I think uh, it's, I think it's important to mention. I don't know if this comes in the video or not. Um, the the history of that which we call the theater of the absurd. Okay, let's go. Um, that. Which, okay. when we're talking about theater of the absurd, most of the time we're talking about Beckett and people like Beckett. Yeah. Um, but the the time frame in which theater of the absurd comes about, which was never used by practitioners of theater of the absurd. Never, they never called themselves absurdists or things like that. Huh. Unlike, let's say, the Dadaists, yeah. who did in fact who called did themselves call themselves the, Dadaists. Uh, yes.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, but the, the people who we have categorized as the Theater of the Absurd um, were coming hot on the heels of World War II mm-hmm. and in World War II the atomic bomb um, right. and it is, it is a little bit of doing a disservice to say oh all Theater of the Absurd comes from reactions to the atomic bomb but it's kind of true never before in history had we seen something so devastating such a world ending phenomenon that mm-hmm. was the, that, that overshadowed the world to this day, um, but throughout the entirety of the Cold War and the 80s, and I would argue, till now, we still have that, That not in the same way, yeah. but the fear of the threat of the nuke. Um, we, we have...
1: I, I think it's still there. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's just there along with a lot of other things. we
0: got a lot of other things to be afraid of now. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, cable news. Whereas
1: in, like, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, it was, like, the the ultimate threat. Well, the world was going like, to end.
0: Yeah. It was like... The world was going to end. Yeah. We had discovered how to do it and used it. Right. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, th- I think that's really, like, powerful. And I think that's, wh- that's a, where a lot of things in absurdism come, mm-hmm. is that, that waiting, that, that lack of progress. We're not making things better, we're not making things worse, nothing's changing. We're the same as we were, too. World War II was the first sequel we ever had to a war. Right. Now we had World War I, let's do that again. <laughs> that worked out well. Yeah. Um, and so you can look towards things like Waiting for Godot, which, which of course is the famous play where nothing happens twice. Is that a Beckett play? Yes. Oh, It's, okay. it's, it's the, the most famous Beckett play, I'm uh, comfortable saying. Okay. Um, super quick synopsis, two tramps sitting on the, at the crossroads by a tree. They sit around, they talk. What are they doing? They're waiting for a man named Godot, who said he would meet them there, probably. Um, along come a man and his slave, Lucky and Patso. Um, Lucky's the slave, is the man. They hang out, they leave. A little boy comes and says, Mr. Godot can't make it. Come back tomorrow. Act Two <laughs> <laughs> Two tramps sitting at a crossroads talk about stuff. A man and his slave, Lucky and Pazzo, show up. They talk. They leave. A little boy comes and says, Mr. Godot can't make it today. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> That's the play. That's, uh... um, and, and it's an amazing piece of work. Like and, and I've read, I've never confirmed this, that like it started riots in France when it premiered. Like This was an outrageous thing. Um, Be- Because French people like to see an art a story Art. I mean it inclusion. was it was something uh, that yeah. had never been done before and I, right. I I think I think that it without people necessarily understanding it spoke to fears and insecurities within them
1: uh. um,
0: and the, the the fear of the meaningless um, but but a lot of Beckett's plays have that repetition a lot of them have that um, that humor and there is a, there is a, a humor about them you know hearing these two tramps talk about like maybe we should hang ourselves you might get an erection like dark but funny, yeah. Um, and that's well, not the and, best and, example. And but too many cooks definitely has it a, does. a humorous bent. To and the it, more I mean. that we're talking about it, the more I'm seeing, I'm seeing some of these elements of theater of the absurd. Repetition. Uh, repetition there's, is certainly in there's there. There's uh, um, the, the
1: Falcon shot with the estate. That's just well, like, heck, the done theme song. Like five times. The theme
0: song is so repetitive, and right. we we cycle back to it and over and over again, and, and building on those. Yeah. Um, but I think I think beyond the repetition and the humor and the strangeness that is certainly present that are things that come from Theater of the Absurd, mm-hmm. um, I think, and I, I might be stealing this idea from something I read somewhere else, uh, probably on Vox.com, I've been reading a lot of their stuff lately. Yeah. Um, that Too Many Cooks is about the death of nostalgia. Ooh. <laughs> I, I really hope that's, I really hope that's the case. Um, and and sort of like because because while it doesn't directly reference any one particular thing, so much of what it's pulling from is is a certain type of nostalgia of Generation X and a little bit the millennials. But you know the the '80s sitcoms, the '80s medical shows, the cop dramas.
1: It's I I see it as doing both simultaneously. Sure, in, sure. In, in, in Multiplicities it, of meaning. Right, in that it, it is it is initially the pastiche uh-huh. of the 80s shows in in the sort of a mockery uh-huh. which is is the death of the nostalgia uh-huh. maybe or nostalgia but with them with a an ironic bent uh-huh. and then it is the death of that process of being ironic about nostalgia yes, and pastiche. Yes. I think so. so I think is, so. It's like it goes a step further. Mm, it's, yeah. it's taking
0: it to its logical conclusion. Um, which
1: is everybody dies and everything is crazy
0: but then it gets reset. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because as as we see at the, at the end of Too Many Cooks, the TV show is still on. Yeah, like that's just the crazy. We get we get a half second of TV show every week. Um. So there's there's a lot going on there, and I think, um, so much of our world and our media is is trapesing on that nostalgia today, and oh, and, yeah. and and banking on it, and using it for their benefit. Um, I mean, heck, yeah. the world exploded because there was a new Star Wars trailer yesterday. Oh my god. And I, I was a part of that. I, I, loved, I loved that. Ep- I loved that. The Elmo Drafthouse,
1: when they rolled it um, as the trailer before Theory of Everything last night, mm-hmm. rolled the trailer and then immediately afterwards just had text on the screen. Would, would y'all mind if we played that trailer again? <laughs> <laughs> no? Cool. Projectionist? Roll it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they played the trailer again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Well and people and there are people watched yeah. it endlessly for days and hours and, and I, I, I admit I slowed it down and, and Well I've I've watched it yeah, really half a dozen it. times already. Yeah. Like that was my response was like, uh, I don't know if I'm that impressed. Let me watch it six more times.
1: <laughs> uh, honestly the the moment that I that I like got goosebumps were were the X Wings. Like just Yep. Oh my god. Yeah. I was like, I needed that. And then it took me a few viewings to realize that their wings are different. They're, like, somewhat
0: advanced. They have, like, their... I'm not yeah. going to notice that. Um, <laughs> I guarantee I am you, Robert will. Oh, I, I'm sure he has. Yeah. Uh, I am, I am at best, a casual Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like Star Wars, and I think I've said this before. I like Star Wars on the same way that everybody in America likes Star Wars. Of course you like Star Wars. It's like yeah. apple pie. It's oh, like yeah, the American yeah, yeah, yeah. flag. Of course you like Star Wars. Sure. sure. Um, Although I did rewatch this morning about half of the despecialized edition. Oh. Um, I found it on the internet. I'm, um, I'm sure it is out there, yeah. Is people like ripping the laser disc? Or? So it's more than that, it is, it is doing everything possible to recreate the original presentation from the theater. Okay. Which nothing ever matched. Like, nothing was ever quite like that. There were changes in the Laserdisc, there were transfer issues, there were things like that. The Laserdisc is probably one of the closest ones. Really? And they use it as a basis. Huh. Um, but the Despecialized Edition, like, and he, the guy spent years working on, on the whole trilogy. Um, wow. Um, and it's the same movie. Like, it's the same movie you remember. Yeah, yeah. Like, I can still quote the dialogue along with it. Yeah. Um, but it looks, it looks different. It looks closer to... A movie from the '70s, uh, um, and not in a bad way. Okay, um, but uh, but it, I mean it. It becomes because one of the things, like I watched, I watched the special editions growing up. Like yeah. that's what I saw. Um, I I was around when they got re-released to theaters, and I watched them all. Um, we had the original audio ta- or the videotapes but even those have been tinkered with by Lucas a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, I own the DVDs of the special editions because that's the ones that have Rift Tracks for them. Um and there, and there's a certain aesthetic that comes along with it, not to mention a blue tint that permeates the whole film because of a pad transfer oh really um yeah i didn 't you don 't notice until you watch them side by side and you go, Oh, huh, um, everything's a little bluer on the DVDs Hmm. but um so I mean so we have this culture of nostalgia and and it's it's interesting that we have that because I think it, it comes from in a certain way a lot of the people who are making media. Mm-hmm. Are the same people who grew up on this media and who love this media. Yeah, I think you see it in something like Doctor Who. Um, you know, David Tennant, one of, one of the best Doctor Who Doctors yeah. of all time, um, grew up loving Doctor Who, and so did the writers, and so did the the people who were creating this thing.
1: Yeah, because it's been around for fifty years,
0: and arguably it's the same show, but it's not, of course. Right. Um, and and some of that is is to the show's detriment and to our detriment you know we lament the the use of original sci-fi and we still get things like interstellar which i watched and was was impressed by the visuals
1: (laughs) it it, it wasn't it wasn't merely a spectacle to the extent that gravity was
0: it was not merely a spectacle the extent but i liked the spectacle the most yes out of all the parts of interstellar the spectacle was what I was interested in. Did you see it in the IMAX? <laughs> I didn't see an IMAX shot in 35mm. Oh,
1: uh, it, it was shot in IMAX. Sure. in 70mm. So yeah. it's like, oh, well, I've got to. I've got to do that. At
0: least I didn't see it in digital, so you know I saw it on a film. So what's his name won't be mad at me, right? <laughs> Although it's funny because I have I have talking about nostalgia uh-huh. um, as Christopher Nolan, who who I am I'm nostalgic for towards things like Memento because that was a movie that changed my worldview on what film can be. Yeah, um, and it's still one of my top five films of all time because of that. Like because of his later stuff, I'm kind of like. I don't know about if I'm if I'm that big a fan of Christopher Nolan anymore. Like uh, he's ruined his own nostalgia. You're you're a fan of early Christopher Nolan. Yeah, which yeah. is which is such a film hipster thing to say. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like oh I I liked him back before uh, the uh, the Prestige. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so that was his first like mainstream hit. Um, oh yeah,
1: that's right. I forgot that he did that. <laughs>
0: yeah, well it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, I only first saw it for the first time a couple years ago. Huh. And quite good. Oh yeah. Um, but like. He, he was doing things that were interesting with the medium mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think he's doing anymore. You see some of his, like, uh, the pre-roll for Inception.
1: Uh-huh. Um, Alamo picked out some of his, like, student films.
0: Sure, and sure. So, so his,
1: like, uh, his undergrad stuff is, is very... You can see the influence, uh-huh. and, you, and you can see what eventually went into Memento. Oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah.
0: Or Following. If you ever watch Following, like, you can see, like, him him trying to figure out what he's doing. it he has the nonlinear plot and things yeah. like that. And and what's interesting to me with Christopher Nolan is the the nonlinear story structure is something that he has taken and made a part of the the story as opposed to just the organization. Yeah. Um, And I I think that's a really interesting thing because you look at you look at movies like The Following, or Following, not The Following, Following and Memento, mm-hmm. where how the story is structured matters to an audience member, because that's how you experience it. Right. Whereas, you look at something like Interstellar's, spoilers abound, so yeah. beware for that internet. <laughs> um, although I, I had it spoiled and it didn't bother me a lot, like, I had parts of it spoiled, I'm like, I don't think I, it's...
1: I, I mean, it, it was sort of obvious what was going on from the beginning.
0: A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Um, but there's there's a nonlinear story there, mm-hmm. but it's because the story itself happens in a way that folds time. In the same way that Inception has that sort of, like, oh, things are happening at different speeds because that's how the story is actually set up.
1: Right, Like, you're no
0: longer playing with time and things like that because it's interesting and it changes the way the viewer experiences it. You're doing it because that's what's happening in the story. Yeah. Um, And that feels less powerful to me Mm -hmm. because what I liked about early Christopher Nolan was he was a master of, of... Holding information and showing you just what you needed to see, and that's something that's really powerful about film, mm-hmm. as opposed to theater. Just as an example, is in theater you can't control where the audience looks. No, oh, right. You can tell them to look over here, or look over there, and, and that's what magicians do all the time. Is yeah, they, right. they say look over here instead of what I'm doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can look where you're not supposed to in the theater.
1: Yeah.
0: And I, that's that's what I do when I watch theater because I think it's fun. Yeah. Um, there, you know, everything happens yeah. on stage, and everything happens. Fun in front of you as a whole mm-hmm. um whereas film has the power of hiding things, um and and early chris nolan the director was really good at that yeah later chris nolan just isn't doing that anymore <laughs> um,
1: which is which is what i want to
0: talk about too many cooks <laughs> yeah bring, bring you back to too many cooks so um, so uh, so i think too many cooks actually kind of does that that Directional thing really interestingly. Yeah. Um, because you can look at the serial killer character that, that shows up in Too Many Cooks, who is in it from about two minutes on. Is the first time he shows up yeah
1: he's just sort of like in the background yeah he sits in the look, background looking through a window yeah, yeah. and then you're, you're like wait who's who's that and yeah. He's, yeah he's sort of smiling knowingly mm-hmm. like, he's, on, he's on the
0: staircase like the first time the family sits together to oh yeah. the picture he's sitting on the staircase he's just hanging out That yeah, there whatever. Oh, yeah whatever um and there's sort of that that intrusion there but that's where something where you know it almost matches memento in that sort of sense is where you watch it once then you go what did I just experience? Let me yeah. watch it again. Right. And then you start picking up on these cues and these no prescience no. things, and these, you know, the existence of things going beyond what you thought were there, and you see the craft of it. Yeah. Um, because I think, I think, and maybe this is why it is closer to absurdism than, than what I would call lol random, mm-hmm. which is not random, but that's not the point. Oh. Um, but that's sort of that's what I think of when I think internet humor. What is random? lol random? L O L random, like oh that's so random. There's, there's a, I don't know, a pineapple on that cat. Um, oh
1: yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up all random moments on YouTube. Sure. And it's things like, uh, oh no, that's, oh, that's League of Legends. League of Legends. Uh,
0: <laughs> um, uh, but the, the misuse of random, because I think, I think it'd be very easy for someone to look at too many cooks and say, oh that's so random and weird, where it's actually not. It's actually very, very constructive. Um, to create certain experiences and to make those changes very slight, right? And and adjust how you're experiencing this by showing you certain things and withholding certain things. Um, well, and and, it, and it's really. It, it's difficult to create the
1: feeling of randomness and absurdity that that, that sort of humor relies upon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Where you're just, you really don't know what's going to happen next.
0: Like, yeah, and I think that's what, what, I think we should say unexpected. Unexpected. Unexpected, yeah. unexpected, but making sense. Right. So something unexpected is, you know, we're sitting at this coffee table, a bomb goes off. That's unexpected. Yeah. You wouldn't expect that to happen. Right. You have no bomb under there. Right. We're good. Um, but that's not Interesting. That doesn't make for a good film. That doesn't make for a good movie. It's like, oh, it blew up at it the end. It's
1: like unexpected things that that make sense. Comment on previous elements yes, of the... that so, build on it.
0: For instance, and that's, and
1: that's the opposite of random. In, in too many cooks, like the uh-huh. the, 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 the Chiron's and the people
0: switching places. Uh-huh. You know, where
1: you have a yeah. you know a, a column of text standing or, or, and or the, the bit that
0: I think is my favorite bit yeah. is. So there's, there's... And this is right out of Roseanne. Um, the, the camera moving around the table and showing all the different cast members. Yeah. Um, and about halfway through, you realize, wait, we've done about a loop and a half already. Exactly. <laughs> wait, wait a sec. Um, and that's sort of something that, that is very much about the structure of this experience. It's not like, oh, that's so random. It's like, no, that's deliberate. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it's so. off-putting. It is confusing. You have a sense, this sense of space that's being confused and broken down. And you're not really sure what's going on. It, is it... What's the distinction between absurd and postmodern? Um, I think, I think postmodern is less, um, I, I, well, here's, I think, I think it goes to the, the meaningless that exists in, in absurdism, whereas I think postmodern is about a multiplicity of meanings. Do you think too many cooks doesn't have a multiplicity of meanings? I think it does. Okay. Um, and I, I think... I think if, if I think one of the meanings is stop being so nostalgic for crap, yeah, uh, because it's crap. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, if somebody made a Snorks movie tomorrow, people would watch it, and they would be wrong because yeah. of because of that amplified.
1: Uh huh. And, and it's interesting to bring it back. We've to, made four uh,
0: Transformers movies for crying out loud, and none uh, of them are good. Five. I hate you a little bit more now.
1: <laughs> and I, I watched a significant part of the fifth one because it was it was on at a friend's house and.
0: We're up to five? We're up to
1: five.
0: Yeah. Transformers. Transformers 2. Transformers 3. Transformers 2 is where what's-his-name died. Optimus Prime. But, of course, it came back for Transformers. I, I haven't seen anything past the second one. Oh, I, wait. They are making a fifth one. They are one. making the fifth one. The fourth one yeah. had dinosaur transformers. No, wait a minute. Um, Age of
1: Extinction.
0: That one came out. That's the one with the dinosaurs.
1: Yeah. That's, that's four, I think. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're, get-
0: we're getting a fifth.
1: Five, five is going to happen.
0: Well, yeah. of course it is because people keep going to see them.
1: Yeah. No, actually they're they're and it, this is a funny privilege thing is they're actually huge in they're huge overseas. they're way bigger That's overseas awesome. than they are in uh, in the U.S. Can we stop releasing them in the U.S. Then. <laughs> no, we just release them with with different cities being destroyed. Yeah. It's it's funny they like. They're, they're, I I I didn't know about this but. Um, it's not naturalization, but localization mm-hmm. of movies where you will actually have scenes that are different depending on where mm-hmm. the film is released and, yeah well and, that, that was a
0: big thing that happened with Iron Man Three in China
1: right there was a,
0: there was a lot of localization that happened to that, like extra characters added and scenes yeah specifically for a Chinese audience like I would like to
1: see the Chinese version of Iron Man Three sure um, sure I'm sure it's out there, but like yeah uh, i don't wait. I don't know if it's better. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, back to back to like distinction between postmodern and absurd. Uh-huh. Like, what what is something that that is that is absurd but not postmodern? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Waiting for Godot. I mean, is is my first obvious answer because it
1: doesn't comment on itself, really. Yes, yeah,
0: it's, um, so it's not self reflexive mm-hmm. at all, um, and there, and I would argue there's not a multiplicity. of, Like you can read a multiplicity of things within it, but yeah. Beckett was like, no, this is what the this is what it means. Right. This is the play. Okay, um, like and and even the estate of Beckett gets mad at you if you change anything about his plays. Wow. Um, so, for example, and this is a thing that's, that's happened, mm-hmm. if you want to do an all-female production of Waiting for Godot, which is a show that has four men as the cast, uh. you will get shut down. Wow. And it's happened. They will find out about you. They will revoke your right to perform the play. Wow. Um, there, there, There is an amazing... Control, even hmm. that he that he even after uh, in the grave exerts wow. on on these texts. Um, um, so Whereas, so he has a, he yeah. De, yeah he does have a very clear. There's a deliberate list, a deliberateness there. Yeah. Um,
1: getting getting to meaning, I mean, is it, yeah. it, is. An aspect of absurdism which which Mike does try to bring up in this episode yeah. the and, and the internet in general. Trying to illustrate the meaninglessness in certain activities or or situations or people or it, it's just like trying to draw attention to for instance in, in Too Many Cook's case, the meaninglessness of the, this nostalgic action, right? Mm, yeah, I mean there's there's definitely something to that. Oh. So, so, and, and I mean, is that maybe a defining or a driving purpose of absurdism? Like, you know, the meaninglessness of
0: everything. Of everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that that is much stronger in absurdism than it is in, in a, any particular postmodern or poststructural work. So then, I guess, what would is, is absurdism
1: a kind of poststructuralism?
0: See, the thing is, absurdism definitely falls into what I would call the modernist camp okay there is an answer and that answer is there is no answer. there is no okay there's no meaning yeah there is there is there is a finality to it gotcha okay. um there is, there is very little plurality in absurdism
1: right a plurality and and i
0: think that's the biggest distinction i can make um i think an example of of a play that is not as well known but I think that kind of speaks to post structuralism and post modernism in theater, at least. There's a play called. No, I should know the name of it. Nope. Under Construction. Under Construction. That's the name of the play. Um, and it was a workshop production, meaning it was created by the people who were involved in it and, mm-hmm. and, and built and, and constructed. Although it does have a playwright, uh, Charles Me, who is the okay. playwright, or Chuck Me to his friends. <laughs> um, Wait.
1: Actual person? Yeah, yeah, okay. a real person, right. real
0: person. Um, but at the beginning of Under Construction, there's a sign, like hey, the set looks like a construction build, like it's under construction. But at the beginning, they're going to go, all right, we're going to show you scenes uh, 7, 12, 23, 28, and 30 tonight. <laughs> um, like that's. Like the implication being that there are other scenes that exist that you're not seeing. Oh, okay. um, that this is not a complete work, and it never is finished. Now there's a final script for under construction. You can go Google it, like Chuck me, put it out on the internet for you to read. That includes all those extra scenes. No, no, those oh. extra scenes don't exist. Okay, gotcha. It's, it's, and, and nowhere are they called scenes 27, 83, 64, and 12. Gotcha. <laughs> um, that's just that's just the opening. Okay. But the but the implication is that this play this work is always under construction. Okay. This work in the context of that play being America, like the, you can never see all of it. You can never get all of it. Nor is there necessarily something all to get. This is, this is a glimpse, this is a part, this is a fraction. Yeah. And it's always being changed, it's always being worked on. Um, and, and Chuck Mee, as a playwright, in steals everything. Like, he, he straight up admits that. Like, there's a scene in Under Construction that is a recreation of a 50s dating tips video. Like, oh, how the boy should behave, how the girl should behave. Like. How to talk to her parents when you come into her house to pick her up from a date, how to make that phone call, all this of and it's just recreation. And he takes that and and blows it up, and makes it more interesting, and more funny and, and weirder. Okay. But he but he's like, I stole that. Like and here's the source I, here's the place I stole it from. And he does that with, with with Greek myths and a lot of his plays are built around Greek myths and things like that. And he goes, I'm putting my plays out here. Mm-hmm. If you wanna perform them, you gotta get my rights. But if you wanna steal from me, go for it.
1: Uh...
0: Because okay. that's how I got here. Gotcha. So, so, if you want, so he's very much embracing the commons and, and uh-huh, this idea of, uh-huh. of everything being a remix. And, but that's but that's yeah. the post-modern and post-structural sort of perspective. Yeah. Whereas Beckett is like, no. This is Do mine. my play right.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that could that Take three life. steps to the left and scream.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> is that is that part of it? That's... That, that could easily be a direction in any Beckett play. Okay. <laughs> um, I, so... And and so I think it's interesting because I think too many cooks apes the style of the latter and the pastiche of a postmodern play. Yeah. But is is so deliberate in its construction that I would put it in the modernist camp. Um, And and it it is this this perfect little tidy experience. Yeah. And it uses pastiche, which is often associated with postmodernism and poststructuralism. but it uses it in a very modern deliberate way and,
1: and elements of like you know seeing behind the scenes yeah know, yeah taking a character out of out of their context mm-hmm. um, context collapse mm-hmm. uh, of various sorts again and again uh, yeah swapping elements seemingly at random but again you're right like everything is at least in the final product is very deliberate uh-huh. and, and intentional the crea- one might think like, the creation process that went into Too Many Cooks was somewhat random. Like they could have just
0: drawn circumstances off a hat or yeah. and, like, I mean, a... you can, a, a, a... A similar example is something like Jackson Pollock's paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, a Jackson Pollock painting isn't about the thing that you see.
1: Yeah, it's, it's what happened when the paint was on its way to the canvas. It's
0: about that process. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is about. Um, you end up with this artifact, but a Jackson Pollock painting is the process of him making it. Right. Um, whereas Too Many Cooks is about Too Many Cooks. It's not, it's not an after effect of, of a process. It is the goal of the process. Um, In Jackson Pollock, the, the process is the goal. The way it's created, the the kinetics, and you see the results of that (laughs) on a canvas with some paint.
1: So I think it's it's worth going somewhat postmodern here and bringing in uh, the maker's comments. Oh sure, sure. Um, It's Casper Kelly, Mm -hmm. Chris Casper Kelly.
0: Yeah, who is who has created other things for Adult Swim, including uh, Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell. Yeah, and Squidbillies. Yeah, neither of which I watched. I had really any Squidbillies was meh. Yeah, it's kind of I, I, like your your pretty face is going to hell. Look like a workplace comedy set in hell. Yeah, which doesn't it like I'm like that's, yeah. eh, yeah.
1: Um, let's see. How much cough syrup had you had when you came up with this here? Well, that is the question, right? I've always been a fan of humor that just pushes things past the point of funny when you watch those Andy Kaufman routines or the old David Letterman bits where he keeps repeating and repeating a joke until it becomes banal and irritating. And then ev-
0: Like David Letterman himself. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, and then eventually works its way back into being hilarious again. That to me is the funniest. So the notion was simply, what if you had this credit sequence to a Full House type show that went on and on and on and uh-huh. on. And, <laughs> um, and it says it's that it's not really his usual style of comedy. It's- um His other oh, no. shows aren't like that at all um, yeah. it's, it's totally taken apart, right? Where did the idea of throwing the killer came come in uh <laughs> yeah. it's i mean eleven minutes is long mm hmm it's it's a long short yeah. Uh, do, do... <laughs>
0: We should mention you're reading the uh, the Rolling Stone article yeah, this, about this. this is a Rolling
1: Stone interview with him. Um, it so took them you can three days the to make it. Yeah. That so surprises we'll, we'll, me. I would have we'll expected a lot more. I'm looking for, for just... Like pull quotes. Um, yeah, just, just interesting insights. Mm-hmm. I'm
0: just thinking you don't get to edit this afterwards, so... Yeah, exactly. So, so, this <laughs> so I'm is, trying to fill this time while you're reading. Thanks, audience. Uh, hey, iced coffee sure is delicious. Ooh, this yeah. actually is really good coffee. I'm pretty happy with it. All right. Um... <laughs> I haven't tried the Japanese cold brew style, but it seems silly to me. Um, oh, d- The well, hot brew over ice. Well, you
1: you do the hot brew um, denser, right? Yeah, so, so yeah. So that it doesn't lose... Um,
0: you, d- you don't dilute it, it.
1: It doesn't get watered down. Right? Yeah. But it, it gives it a slightly different flavor. No, I'm, I'm
0: sure it does. Yeah. I mean, the idea of bringing more richer tones in it, but... Mm-hmm. I feel like the reason I'm cold brewing is because I don't want the acidity... I, I I make cold brew at home because it's the least, it's the easiest way to make coffee without screwing it up. <laughs> but some people do want the acidity. Sure, sure. I'm not one of those people. Yeah. I got tummy troubles. I like I like a smooth cup. So is life absurd? It used to be. I mean that's a big <laughs> question because because I think that answer I think the answer to that question comes from. Our language and how we talk about things. Um, I think life on the internet might be absurd. I don't know if life outside of the internet is
1: quite so absurd. But but that's that's more and more becoming indistinct.
0: It is. It is. I mean, you're you're seeing, but you're seeing it filtered in a in a really interesting way. Like you know, the mainstream media reading the tweets and calling oh, yeah. it news,
1: which. I, I think and, and like John Stewart and John Oliver draw attention to this is a kind of absurdity. Yes, right. Yes. That that is not.
0: There's, that accomplishes there's no, nothing.
1: Right. There's there's no but there's no self awareness right. about but that absurdity. But it's or also, like, you know the giant touchscreen panels of Fox News. Yeah. You know, there's an absurdity yeah. about that, right?
0: Yeah. Although it is worth reading, noting that reading the tweets is is exactly the same as. Um, although it looks sillier, the man on the street interviews that Mm. have been around forever. And I think you can go... Except the man on the street interviews
1: presents a context. Hi, I'm from the news. Would you like to comment (laughs) on this thing? Versus, here, I'm just posting this to the entire world. Yeah. And then the news decides, oh, we're going to go take it. But they do hours of man on the the street
0: interviews to get those two-minute sound bites. Sure,
1: but but I, I think of it from the... The perspective of the person who is giving that comment—they okay. know they they have an idea of the context where that could go. Th- this is the problem I had back to the the sign language stuff. Yeah. When you put something out on Twitter or out on YouTube or whatever, uh-huh. there is not always the the consciousness about the context in which that will be presented ultimately, yes. or or even. At any point, as yeah, the, the way it'll
0: be interpreted.
1: The, there's an eighth. There's there's a, an aspect in which, which that one. those words or that content is ripped out and is now like free floating. Yeah, um, in it, it's in a commons of sorts, but not all. I, I I just don't think the public has an idea of, of really how to. Use the comments in that way, mm-hmm. yeah, right. and and because the, the, there is some indignance when it's like, oh, I put that thing on Twitter. I didn't give you permission to read that mm-hmm. on the news, you know. But you kind of do you, implicitly yes. give that permission. Yeah. <laughs> so so. Sorry, that's
0: yeah. rabbit trailing. On that. <laughs> but is I think I think it's it's worth pointing out that it is it is not. I think it's not dissimilar too dissimilar mm. from the vox populi, the man on the street interviews. Okay, and here's and and it's funny because I think people were complaining about those back then too. You can go look at, at classic Money Python bits. They they skewer the man on the street interviews. Oh, really? Or you look at um, a bit of Fry and Laurie, the uh, the sketch comedy TV show starring Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry, which OMG, that's amazing. <laughs> um... Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they have a ton of, of like interstitial bits that are like Man of the Three interviews that okay. make no sense whatsoever, <laughs> and 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 are good because of that, and, and are skewering that. Uh-huh. And if, if they were to exist today, it would be let's read these tweets, and none of them make any sense or deal with whatever we're talking about. Well, well, so I guess that brings me back to the the main question, which is, at, at, at
1: what point? motorcycle
0: (laughs) that would be a random occurrence
1: that would be a yes did not see that coming um at, at what point does the 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 purpose of internet creation being to create the absurd to skewer to do all these things become the only modus right and doesn't it feel somewhat like that? That there's, there's a strong component of internet content creation that is simply looking for
0: other things to skewer all the time. I think that's true for certain internets. Yeah. So here's an interesting concept that I don't think we've ever talked about. Huh? Um, we are all creating our own little internets today. Yeah. Like, it used to be there, there, were, there, was, there was an internet, a uh, one internet. Um, but there are so many content curation tools. Um, some of them intentional, some of them not that the internet I experience is similar to the internet you experience, but probably not the same oh definitely um, yeah well that, think, that, that became the case a long time ago well I, I, I think RSS feeds were the start of that um, I, were, the, were the first time that made a huge difference because that 's everything you, you experience everything through that filter
1: well I think there, there is still the internet it, it's where we can only ever navigate sub Subgraphs of the entire graph of the internet just mm-hmm. because it's come become so huge and i mean it, it passed well, yeah. that size in like well 1996, yeah there's that size thing you know?
0: but but we're intentionally avoiding certain things and we're intentionally reinforcing other things yeah you know your your fox news fan is also going to be reading the same parts of the blogosphere mm-hmm. that i'm never going to touch so echo chamber things, yeah echo yeah. chamber um and and different areas of the internet like you know i i accidentally stumbled onto the red pill um, which is the, the epitome of the men's rights activism era on oh, Twitter, no. on Facebook, uh, not Facebook um, Reddit on Reddit. Reddit. Um, and they will of course tell you they're not men's rights activists, but that's another problem entirely. <laughs> okay but I, I didn't know this existed and it's this echo chamber it is this, this feedback loop that exists and and it exists in a way that I totally cannot understand huh. Um, Alonzo Bowden puts it in an interesting way, uh, he's a comedian who I've started listening to his podcast, he's been on, uh, I knew him from Last Comic Standing, he won the fourth season of Last Comic Standing. Um. Oh, it's, it's the, pickup uh, pick-up artist community.
1: Yeah. Among oh. other things.
0: They're, they got all sorts of problems. Um, but Alonzo Bowden puts it in there's two different countries in America. Wow. Um. And I argue there's more than two different countries in America. I argue there's more than two different internets. But, you know, you're, you're experiencing these things, and you're experiencing the same events, but you're in a completely different world when you encounter them. Stephen has, has about to have his brain broken. It's,
1: I, this is giving me nostalgia in, like, not in, in a good In the way. bad way.
0: Yeah. <laughs> bad nostalgia.
1: Oh... Uh and we're gonna close that yeah you're just, you're just better off not <laughs> yeah. I just I just don't want to you don't you shouldn't nope um it's bad
0: um, so they can have their own internet but they do yeah um and that's just it and and on their internet they're always right so
1: so okay I mean in the, we, we've we always created social networks Yeah. we just it's much easier to see them now thanks internet and sub internets and sub internets um Bruce Sterling calls it network culture to distinguish it from digital culture which was so digital culture was sort of monolithic it it grows out of like bbss and the well and, and there there was sort of like a a conscious center of the community on in the digital space yes. in cyberspace now we just we have a we have network culture which is Everything, <laughs> yeah, all interacting at various you know orders of magnitude, and just contexts clashing and collapsing into each other and, and recapitulating each other continuously. And sometimes something like too many cooks will bubble up, and you know burst into most areas of the network. You know, you'll just going viral, right? Is that idea of just for some reason it just goes it everywhere? Transcends. Yeah, it transcends the networks, but it feels like you very much could never have heard of too many cooks,
0: and still have a very rich and and interesting mm-hmm. existence, right? Well, and that's the thing is I think I think we're seeing that now, mm-hmm. and something going viral today is very different from something going viral five years ago, ten years ago.
1: Yeah, like how much do you think we'll have? But, so I don't know. We're straying a little bit too much. Like, like that. Let's that, talk about too many cooks. <laughs> to, to, to me, though, I mean, it, and it gets back to like waiting for Godot and all this. Like, yeah. there is there is sort of like a tangible, not really horrific, but just like uncomfortable, sort of unsettling thing about that. Right. It's mm-hmm. it's really like making the transience of meaning a part of every single day on the internet yeah right <laughs> that there's as, which which we haven't i mean that's very different from but let's let's remember that's very different from 20th century culture too many cooks illustrates how different that is yeah. from 20th century culture stability is gone like mm-hmm. it's just it's maybe it was never there to begin with waiting for godot predated cosby show that's for sure. yeah <laughs> and, and full house and all this but really truly it has no bastions anymore the internet will find stability and destabilize it. Mm-hmm. That's what it does, right? <laughs> almost almost to the point where it, it creates. Because that that the internet is that constant changing, yeah. remaking instability, right? There's some there's something in its essence that aligns with that it's like a value almost. i mean i like, think like it, an... i
0: think it speaks to in a certain sense um the the wild west net neutrality argument um in in sort of you know people who who are in favor of net neutrality and treating the internet like utility as opposed to something else yeah um <laughs> are, are talking about the ability for for things to change and i mean you look the 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 example i love and by love i mean disgusts me is mark cuban um mm-hmm. coming out against net neutrality someone who has billions of dollars because of net neutrality yeah because he created a disruptive influence that that became worth a lot of money and sold it off to yahoo and is a billionaire now yeah who is now opposed to anything else keeping that as opposed to keeping anybody else from having that same thing happen to him right by supporting non a non open internet
1: because power corrupts
0: yeah well, we know you that, know, well he wants to keep his money yeah i get that but he's already he's won so he doesn't have to care anymore i got mine through you
1: yeah no that's and that that which supposedly like mm-hmm. you know things like too many cooks are like well eventually mark cuban will get his due and you know we'll find a way to disrupt and destabilize whatever him I don't think we will. <laughs> um, $2, $2.1 billion buys you a lot of
0: stabilization.
1: It sure does. Uh, so, so do you think that... Well, and it, it's interesting to note that like a lot of this sort of absurdist creation is coming from the not stable parts of the economy, right? Yes. So, so Mark Cuban, Fox News, etc. are very heavily invested in creating stable, persistent, consistent structures. Because that's how they make money. That's how they make money, and it's—I don't know—it's it, sort of um, as we're like you know, killing the major organized religions off. You know, Catholic churches. I if we're killing them all. Eh, it's like they're changing. They're, yeah. They're not what they, they're way. not.
0: They're going to be very different hundred years from now than what they were a hundred years ago.
1: Right, right. It's just, just sort of there is just in general a move to imbuing the. Uh, I don't know even what to call them but these these like late capitalist uh, structures of you know procter and gamble coca-cola mark cuban with his you know billions and billions of dollars 2.7 like, i looked it up 2.7 billion dollars yeah okay his with his worth. almost three billion dollars they could buy you a lot of bitcoin
0: mark you could buy you could buy a lot of bitcoin is bitcoin still a thing i thought like oh, yeah. when mt gox shut down it all like fell apart no there are plenty of other exchanges okay
1: and if you know if you go to the cryptocurrency meetup every Sunday here in Austin, Texas of Brave New Books, you'll, you'll get an earful about how it's it's just beginning. So, <laughs> it, I mean, I, I'm still kind of ambivalent. I mean, I, I, am, I am in it to yeah. a degree. Uh, I recently bought a domain using Bitcoin,
0: <laughs> which is pretty cool. Which domain?
1: Uh, I'm not saying yet. It's part of an emerging art project that I'm not sure if I want to ever <laughs> release, okay. but I'm, I'm working on it. That's fair. Yeah, but, you know the, the stability thing, and and, and and we've kind of talked about this before. It's part of post-structuralism It's part of postmodernism. And yeah. Like you know, stability, meaning, consistency, right. etc. Are you know you can have those as your core ideal or not? You know the the sort of arbitrariness of of modern life. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And but I still recognize that like yeah, you can think that way, but you're still playing the game of late stage consumer capitalism whether you want it or not? I mean, Too Many yeah. Cooks was released on Comedy
0: or not Comedy Cartoon, Central, Network. Cartoon Network, which yep. is owned by who? Uh, Turner. Yeah, Turner Broadcasting Corp. Right. <laughs> so, which I
1: want. I think um, it still has. It is like Too Many Cooks has a use value that yeah. that like. In some sense undermines its owned by
0: Time Warner right <laughs> who is like one of the six biggest weird right yeah. like
1: like and yet Time Warner is sort of immune from any like they're still gonna somewhere on their network be broadcasting full house right and yeah on the various know. channels they own yeah somewhere. sure so so it's like what's weird is is these these paradoxes are
0: just everywhere and yeah exist you know. Well, it's and it's and that's that's capitalism. Is you've got to fit every niche. Right. If there's a profit, you got to make it.
1: So, too many cooks even serves the niche of like
0: <laughs> people to dissatisfied with the internet people
1: craving. Yeah. You know, absurdist. You know, pseudo nihilists. Well, we, we used this content, last time we were right? talking that, <laughs>
0: that two panels from bad from action philosophers. Sure. Sure. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It, that's that's capitalism in action. So, so does that
1: in some way undermine? The, I I mean, Beckett, right? Who who was financing him, right? Was anyone financing him?
0: Probably, I don't know. I mean, he was, Uh, he
1: was.
0: (laughs) I don't know. That's a a great question. Where did who paid for Beckett? You Um, know, what what enables the art to
1: exist? Does that in some way comment on its efficacy or its purity or something like that? I I don't. That that's maybe a a question for another day, but. it's a good piece. I mean, Too Many Cooks is, it's funny in an internet way. It's dark, it's, you know, you don't want to watch it too late at night. You definitely want to watch it with friends. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely wouldn't watch I it on it any alone. kind of psychotropics, um, that's yeah. for sure.
0: <laughs> it's it's it horrific. Okay. I mean, it, it, it's in a... And there is some of that, yeah. Yeah. It's also meant to be funny.
1: Yeah. So maybe that's all we can do is just sort of laugh at the world and drink another cup of cold brew. Yay! How are we in time? We haven't done the Linguistic Labyrinth, and we have ten minutes left, so... Well... (laughs) shall we? Let's do it. The Linguistic Labyrinth begins... now. No more coffee. Would ten minutes of silence violate the
0: rule? Probably not. You. Can there be silence? Look at uh, 422, John Cage. No such thing as silence. There is the sounds you hear. Mike Rignetta has a podcast about this. About 422 or the lack of silence, yeah? There's a, One of
1: the episodes of Reasonably Sound uh, is some... about noise-canceling headphones. Mm-hmm. The concept is... Think about what noise canceling headphones do. Sure. They they, they, create they take a waveform. Right, their, they they take yeah. in the sound from from outside. Yes. Use that sound to create to to cancel itself. Yeah. Yeah. You're, so you're taking you're taking speech, mm-hmm. you're Ambiance. calling it noise, yeah. and using someone's speech and the amplitude of it and all of the aspects mm-hmm. of it to negate itself
0: well, I mean, that's, that's, through the use of circuitry yeah that's that's how sound works you, he you... sees
1: it as, as politically charged or huh. socially charged in that's some interesting. sense uh, maybe you're cancelling someone's <laughs> speech using their own speech you're speak. cancelling all <laughs> noise all sound ca-
0: but you're calling it noise all sound right sound on a scientific level not on a political level
1: it, it's it's shaky perhaps
0: <laughs> but he gives
1: the example of John Cage's 422 to, to illustrate how silence never is silence of course 422 is about you know the, the sounds that are in the room the air conditioner the other people coughing things, every performance stuff. of 422 is about the The particular quality of the sound of that room that we call in that moment. In that moment. Yeah, that's one. We should. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) It was in the royal sense. It doesn't count. Uh, Uh, It counts. It's a stretch.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, what do you think of that? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think I think there's an, there's Yeah, that's totally on me. You you did ask me. Beep 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 beep. The distinction though between the way something can be used. It's a tricky one. Because that's not that's not how it was designed, but that doesn't matter. That's not how it's used most of the time. Isn't it, though? So,
1: so using, using noise-canceling headphones says to everyone around, what you are, what's coming out of your mouths doesn't matter. Unless it's being used on the airplane. More than the
0: music. And you're trying to sleep there there are there are uses outside of that sure that that come to mind that are equally valuable mm-hmm. and and the existence does does the existence of a political use negate the other uses mm-hmm. does it reduce their power maybe does the fact that your ASL videos bring someone joy still make them a problem maybe maybe probably um but in but in the case of noise canceling headphones i don't i don't know i'm gonna take that one that was mine that's yeah, two
1: you're up to five ouch <laughs> okay do you know, we'll do you listen not think to it we, later do you not think they should be counted
0: the Counting inst- is fine. The, the instances of first Counting person is pronouns. Fine. <laughs> Five seems high.
1: Five seems high. Four? Two. Four. <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh
0: uh. Our our listeners can
1: correct us. Count count it. Count it up, people. You should listen to reasonably sound. Probably. Is it is it a podcast? It's a podcast. Short short episodes, like okay. fifteen minutes. That's good. I've I have so. a
0: a lot of podcasts. That's, also, that's one. Mike Rignetta
1: thinks a lot <laughs> about a lot of things. He's a he's it's a, he's a professional intellectual. That's his job. He is. He is. Yeah. Uh, to think. Did you We're know true. he uh, he wants to have like an office hours meetup in New York City at some point? That'd be cool. Do that on a regular. I mean, basis. it would not
0: it would not be a real office hours because people would show up. <laughs> <laughs> True, truth, truth, yeah. But it's, it, it's, I don't know, it's
1: somewhat pretentious. He's not a doctor. He's not a professor. I had office hours. Though, though he is more entertaining than, uh, than a lot of professors. Um.
0: <laughs> Five more minutes. Five more minutes. This one is taking a long time.
1: <laughs> Four more minutes. Four more minutes. And yet. Uh. Also sound is a weapon. Other, yeah other
0: topics these that happens here. a lot that um carpet. that's i mean did
1: you know during the first world war mm-hmm, the original mm-hmm. that the british built like giant concrete ears to listen for approaching squads of bombers
0: like par- parabolic shapes yes
1: okay parabolic parabolic microphones
0: well microphones are just collectors. Collectors, because they're, they're you you take a large enough parabola and position it. Yeah, they're, they're called uh, whisper tubes, I yes. think, or, or whispered walls or something like that. Supposedly they exist around the White House. I I don't believe that or not. It's like built into the architecture. Uh, I, did, I had another one there. Beep.
1: <laughs> also, I, other topics uh, include concert concert pitch. Where did that come from? What uh, is
0: concert pitch?
1: A four forty.
0: I don't know what that means. Four hundred
1: forty hertz. The the tone. Think of a, an orchestra tuning. Oh. They all tune to the first oboe. violin. The oboe. Okay. Yeah, to the oboe. Um, playing playing a four
0: forty.
1: Which was not always the established. Of course not. A for concert
0: pitch nothing was ever the established so, forever right I think that's an important thing to until, learn
1: until like it was a national standards body that said this A is A until it's not anymore <laughs> uh, that one that one should be pretty hard to dislodge uh, we'll we'll see gotta, happens. we see what we've got it. ah beep <laughs> that's another one
0: So, how there's, about, there's some nice ambience going on around here. Yeah, how about here? for I've the last impressed.
1: two minutes of the linguistic labyrinth? Just silence. Listen. that was the linguistic labyrinth
0: everybody thank you for listening <laughs> that was cool maybe, did you maybe... cut did you cut the gain on that or yeah, yeah I, so... I, I brought it up a little bit okay so yeah. so people were enjoying our ambience yeah commingled with their own
1: yeah well yeah i brought up the gain so you could hear yeah so you could hear way. our ambience yeah.
0: but they would also be listening to their own ambience they would they would depending on whether
1: they're they'd be using open ear or closed ear yeah or noise canceling headphones so we have a, a minute and a half left in the episode i think we should start wrapping
0: things yeah, up yeah yeah um,
1: i really like that it, it was interesting how different it felt you not, notice things not talking
0: <laughs> we're not used to not talking on this
1: show right I really feel like we should incorporate that into the <laughs> linguistic lab. If we're recording it, you know, wherever is convenient. Doing, yeah. you know, the last two or three Hearing minutes. Or,
0: or four minutes and 22 seconds. Or whatever, you know, but just an uh, opportunity to, to listen. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's kind of meditative.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Maybe That's we fun. should talk,
1: talk about that next episode. Yeah, uh, With a minute remaining. Uh, plugs. Plugs. Uh, badphilosophy.com.
0: Twitter.com slash badphilosophy.
1: Uh, EFFaustin.org. If you're interested in following, uh, well, in EFF.org, yeah. following digital privacy stuff. Yeah. Torrents of Thought. Torrents of Thought.com. Uh,
0: Twitter.com slash My Tumblr.
1: Torrents of Thought.tumblr.com, spelled E-N-T-S.
0: You didn't get both.
1: <laughs> what?
0: You don't have both Torrents of Thought.
1: I don't. I on Tumblr. On now. Tumblr, that's and okay. You can't do redirects on. No,
0: Tumblr is so. a terrible website. It's you
1: know. Have you got the extension that makes it a little bit better? No. There's an extension. Yeah,
0: missing e. Yeah. I know of it, but yeah. It's still uh, yeah. it's still pretty terrible. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, thank you for listening to this show, and uh, uh. we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. <laughs> 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 we should put this in the poster then if you if you feel like doing uh homemade transcriptions of our shows we're trying to get some information up about that on um our Our github github.com slash bad philosophy slash transcripts i believe is the url we'll put that in the show notes and uh if you feel like submitting a pull request for an episode transcript you can do so or just or just email it to us yeah and and we'll put it in there for us
0: Badphilosophy.com Endless apps!